all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, remedy at mpbonline.org. And now, Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. Good morning. This is Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And coming to you live on Southern Remedy this morning, I am out of town in Chicago at a meeting, but uh, due to the wonders of our electronic means uh, that we can uh, broadcast, uh, I am Coming to you live from Chicago, so we'll still be taking live calls this morning. You can reach us with any kind of question you have about your health or perhaps somebody else in your family or your friend's health by calling one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can always email us, not just while we're on the air, but even when we're off the air by call, uh, sending an email to remedy at mpbonline.com. Dot org. Hope everybody's having a great morning. I just have to brag on my weather up here, though, because in Chicago, it's uh, been a little bit cooler. Certainly, it feels a lot cooler than in the deep south. Uh, it's sort of nice to get away for a, a couple of days, even if I'm going to be stuck inside at meetings most of the most of the time. But uh, enjoying to get a chance to talk to you. One thing we want to mention is on Southern Remedy, we get a lot of calls toward the end of the hour, but we don't want to shortchange anybody. A lot of times we get right up against that hour with somebody's call, and it's a really good topic or a really good question that we can ask. Let me encourage you to go ahead and call in early. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity to do that uh, so that we can get to your phone call and to share that with our listeners because it's Part of the, the thing that I like the most about Southern Remedy, particularly on Wednesdays, is that you get to really drive the content, and it's great content to share with other people. So you may not think that uh, your question is a good one to start off the hour with, but I want to encourage you to go ahead and call in. It can be about medications that you're taking. Maybe it's about uh, a new diagnosis, uh, all kinds of different things. We take any and all questions in any and all age groups, uh, from birth all the way up to geriatrics. So you can give us a call this morning by calling one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. A couple of things in the news today. Uh, many of you, probably there's somebody out there that's had this procedure, but aortic valve replacements are a fairly common cardiac uh, surgery. And uh, the aortic valve is the main valve from the heart, from the left ventricle, which is the biggest chamber in the heart, and its job is basically to pump out blood to the rest of the body. And the valve that prevents uh, blood from coming back into the heart after it leaves the heart is called the aortic valve. And in some cases, there's a a couple of different uh, um, scenarios of why this valve would not work right. Sometimes it, it leaks, sometimes it 
uh, has calcium deposits on it that close up. And then sometimes you can be born with a little bit of, of difference in the anatomy of that valve that over time that valve, uh, just, just by being a little bit different, it's more prone to have what we call stenosis, which is just a blockage in that valve. So one of the main ways that they treat this, it, once it gets to a certain um, certain uh, level, is surgery. So they have to go in, and uh, it's a fairly uh, extensive cardiac surgery. So they do have to go in from the anterior chest and uh, and replace the valve. You have to go on a uh, you know a bypass pump just for a little bit, um, just while they're repairing the valve. So. Uh, not too long ago, about a decade ago, they began to experiment on ways that they could reduce the risk for this, particularly in higher risk patients that may not be able to uh, to go through that extensive surgery. And as you know, uh, or as many of you know, a, a cardiac catheterization is where they basically go in through an artery or a vein to access the heart so that they can put stents in. That's one of the main things people think about when they do stents. So they have developed now uh, a way to access uh, the heart valve area to deploy a heart, and it's called TAVR. So that's uh, trans uh, trans uh, arterial uh, placement or trans uh, uh, well arterial placement of that valve. So they basically don't have to cut your chest open; they can do it through an artery, usually in the wrist. Uh, they don't uh, go up through the groin much anymore. That's a, a little bit longer route. So they were looking at who is, uh, you know, a candidate for this, and certainly higher-risk patients they've been looking at just to see if they could reduce their risk of a bigger surgery. Turns out that even low-risk patients now um, may be uh, of benefit, and it looks like at least at one year out, they are about the same uh, outcomes, actually a little bit better outcome with the uh, less invasive one for complications and uh, the valve seems to last at least five years uh, and uh, is comparable, comparable to surgically placed valves. So something new to think about if you have aortic valve disease or aortic stenosis, you might want to talk to your cardiologist if you're a, a candidate for TAVR because it may mean uh, less hospitalization. Usually you can go home, uh, uh, you know, within a shorter period of time than you would if you had surgery. This is Southern Remedy, the number to call today. If you'd like to call in to, uh, with any kind of questions you might have about your health or someone else's, you can call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Let's go to our first caller now. All right, uh, Dr. Jimmy, we've got Mamie on the line from Oklahoma. All right, good morning. Good morning. Uh, Thanks for calling. To, yeah, Mamie Cunningham from Oklahoma. I have two questions uh one is about the white blood count. Uh, what I think the last time I had a checkup, man, was like three point five. Is that uh-huh. considered low? Yeah. So the white blood cell counts, or or WBC, uh, sometimes it's it's in a larger uh, sort of lab that they get called a CBC, a complete blood count. So white blood cells are the cells that help fight off infection. And you have different types of white blood cells. There's neutrophils, lymphocytes, and a few others. But basically, that total number gives us sort of a range that most people fall in. And you had, you said 3.5 was what they found on your lab. So it's in a little bit in the lower end of the range. But there are certain groups of people who tend to run a little bit lower white blood counts. 
Um, so African Americans, uh, some other uh, different ethnic populations tend to run a little bit lower. And as far as we know, there's no kind of risk with that. Now, you, you do have to, you know, the same kind of thing can happen if the white blood cell count is elevated outside the normal range. And just because it's elevated doesn't necessarily mean that you have an infection going on or one of the other things that we look for in really high white blood cell counts is, is the risk of cancer. Sometimes that's, uh, some of the blood cancers pop up that way, and it's a nice screening tool uh, to look at. However, you have to be careful, and you can be, you know, a point or two out of that range and still be okay. So my guess is if you're not having any symptoms, that, that 3.5 is probably just normal for you. And uh, maybe, I, I, you know, is that, do you know if it's been that way before? That's one of the things we look at if in the past the lab has been that way. I don't know. I just had a check because... Um I went for an annual checkup and I changed doctors and they were doing a complete. I don't I don't know what it had been. Uh, right. That that could have been normal, but uh, he just told me that you know to watch it and I'll yeah. he'll check it next time I come in. The other question I had was that uh, I have I'm uh, 78. I have a chalky, crumbly toenail under my toenail. This chalk chalky, white-looking stuff, and I've been to the doctor, and they said it's the fungus, but I, I haven't been able to treat it, uh, have it to go away. Yeah, that's a common thing, too, particularly in the South, uh, just because we live in a more, you know, humid environment most of the year, so fungi, they like sort of moist environments, and, you know, your feet tend to stay a little bit more moist than other parts of the body. But the fungus sometimes likes to set up shop underneath the toenail and even in the in the nail bed that produces the toenail. So the fancy name for that is anichomycosis, but just toenail fungus. The thing about uh, fungus, uh, fun- fungal infections, if they're on the skin, they're a little bit easier to treat. But if they get in the toenails or, or fingernails or hair, almost always you have to treat those with a medication by mouth. Uh, you can try to use some of the topical, uh, you know, like Lamisil is one that you can get, but uh, most of those are not going to work just because it has to go down to the, either the hair follicle if it's in the hair or the nail bed uh, to treat that. And it can take a long time, like three to six months sometimes to clear up. So mm-hmm. if, you know, if that's a problem, um, and it's not just, it's not just a cosmetic concern either. I mean, there are, uh, it, particularly if you have other things like diabetes, a lot of patients, that can be a, a point of entry of bacteria if you have chronic you know, fungal infections. But um, you may have to take a medication by mouth to get rid of that. All right. Thank you so much. I tried the um, application on, liquid application on that the doctor recommended, but it's not doing any good. So I guess that yeah. would have to be my next move. Yeah, I think it's. I think you're going to have to go to something by mouth, like an antifungal medication by mouth. All right, thank you. All right, so much. yes, ma'am. Thank you for calling, Doctor Jerry. Right, we've Kevin, got another we got... caller on the line, but we need to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll get Lucia, who's called in from Alabama. Sounds great. And the number to call if you have a question or comment is one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We'll be right back after this.
is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, remedy at mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Southern Remedy. This is Dr. Jimmy with you this morning on this uh, beautiful morning. I'm actually out of the state at a meeting, but able to uh, connect with you electronically over Skype and uh, taking live calls this morning and got some good ones already. We're going to go to Lucia from Alabama, who has a question this morning. Good morning, Lucia. Good morning, doctor. Um, Yes, I wanted to uh, ask you, because I've been... um, actually waiting for some good uh, inputs on this uh, for a while now. My son is eight-year-old. He failed. He broke his nose. And I didn't know at the time, but uh, by the time I took it to the doctor, it was like 15 or 20 days after, because I noticed he starts snoring at nighttime and having kind of apneas. so I went to a doctor. The doctor said, if you bring him within seven days, we can actually accommodate the, the nose. But now there's no much to do. So then he sent me to a specialist. Um, he said, you need, you need a surgeon uh, specific for kids because the nose is very delicate. Um, and the nose is something that continues growing. So it's something that doctors don't want to touch unless it's absolutely... Um, necessary. So yeah. we went to a specialist um, uh, with with this study that they did. But I mean, the one thing that the doctor, the specialist did was put in a little camera on my son's nose. And he's like, oh, I think the adenoids, it's also something that might be bothering him. To make a long story short, um, our um, main thing is my son is very athletic. He loves mm-hmm. sports. He's crazy about sports. He plays a lot of soccer. He loves swimming. And we noticed that I think he doesn't have the same um, resistant or the same, um, what can I say? Um, but he gets tired quickly. Or, or he, he, he doesn't hold on like he used to, like he would have a lot more air or I don't know, like he wouldn't get so much uh, tired or, or it, he, he used to be faster that I can see lately. Um, so this especially sent us to do the sleeping test and the sleeping test came out. Uh, he's breathing 80%. Like, so, so they say 80% is good. Um, we don't recommend any surgery at his age. Um, so, but it's still, he doesn't sleep like he used to be, like he used to sleep when he was little. Um, he used to quiet sleep all through the night. Now he snores, he kicks, he uh, turns and toss, and sometimes I can tell that he's like, <gasps> like completely stop breathing and then start breathing again. And he's, breathing through the mouth all night long. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and that also is causing the two front teeth to have a stain right where the opening of the mouth is marking. So all those things are like, like I know going to surgery for a nose surgery is a major thing. So that's something that we will try to avoid at all times. But um, would it be something that could affect him in the long run? Or, or do you think we should continue looking for another um, answer or, I don't know, looking for yeah. some other so, so, opinion? So based on what you said, um, so, and that's, that's common sometimes with broken noses just because the septum, the nasal septum just gets sort of uh, pushed to the side and it's hard yeah. to breathe out of one side of the nose. Yeah. Um, it sounds like though that he's had, you know, the proper evaluation. There's a couple of different types of surgeons that look at this. So it sounds like you may have gone to an ear, nose and throat doctor, an ENT, or, or they're also mm-hmm. called otolaryngologist. Plastic surgeons yeah. are also, you know, sort of do that, but they're just going to be looking at the nose itself. I'm glad they did the camera because they're right. Mm-hmm. There's other things that could be obstructing the airway. So it's not just the na- the nasal passages that you want to make sure behind that, which snoring usually is not something that happens in the front part of the nose. It's in the back uh-huh. of the throat, and it's mostly soft tissue. And adenoids uh-huh. are just like, they're like lymphoid tissue. It's sort of akin to lymph nodes in the rest of the body. It's normal. In kids, they can be bigger. They tend to uh, decrease in size as they get older. So at his current age, that you know, that soft tissue is probably going to get um, less in size. The oh. sleep test is important uh, because you snoring doesn't necessarily mean that he has sleep apnea or he has decreased oxygen levels. But if, if they said that was okay, I'm not sure what the 80% is referring to, but there's usually like a sleep apnea index that they, they use and a couple uh-huh. other things too. And if that looked up, like a hypopnea index is another one. But anyway, that those those can sort of tell you if, you know, if maybe a surgery is going to help. Now, he could certainly get it. I, I, I'm like you. I would delay it for a long time. As far yeah. as like his his performance, you know, changes in on the athletic field and with different events. Uh, usually, a, a nasal injury like that is not going to cause those kinds of problems. Now, if his sleep is affected, sure, he can have, you know, not a whole lot, not as much energy as he had. Uh, mm-hmm. But the, the nose itself shouldn't be doing that because usually once you get to running around, you know, whatever sport it is, uh, you, you breathe out of your mouth, not your nose. So it's it's not really a, an issue there. Um, uh-huh. But, I yeah, I would I would maybe broaden out, particularly for the not able to do as much as he used to. Uh, like mm. with endurance or shortness of breath, I, I might, I might have, you know, just go back to your, your regular physician and say, Hey, this is an issue. Can we look at a couple of things? Anemia can sometimes, uh, pop up as something that, mm. uh, you know, a low red blood cell count can do that because it helps to carry oxygen to different parts of the body. Um, there's lots of other things that might be, you know, there, I might take a I step back and just know. to say, you know, maybe, maybe there's some other things going on. But uh, that's a common age to have changes like that. Uh, usually kids who are really active and then, you know, hit that 8 to 10-year-old mark, a lot of times they'll have changes in their activity levels, and uh, you just have to encourage them to, to keep out there and going. But I, I think it's worthwhile if it's a dramatic change just to um, – I always listen to my parents because they're, they're 
watching them, you know, 24 seven have been all their life. So, um, you know, it may, it may be that he just needs a little bit of, of further looking for maybe something else that's causing that. I see. That's but the, but the nose itself, I mean, that's, it's not a big surgery necessarily, but it certainly would be one that I would probably, uh, if, if the Avoid. sleep study is okay. Yeah, I probably would. I probably would until, you know, if he's a teenager and he's like, Hey mom, yeah. uh, I want to be a model. Uh, in a magazine, uh, then you may want to fix it then. But probably from a breathing standpoint, particularly if he's out there and he's breathing hard, he can, you know, open his mouth and breathing is not a big deal. I would, I, you know, for the teeth changes, because sometimes you can, if that part of the mouth's getting dried out, there may be some different, um, you know, things that they can do. There are a couple of appliances that can sometimes help realign the jaw if there's a jaw misalignment. But you got to have somebody that knows what they're doing. So either an orthodontist or a – we actually now have dentists that have sleep-related uh, disorder training. So that uh-huh. may be something to check into. But, um, yeah, I, just thinking broadly, those are some other things that I would look at. All right. All right. Well, thank you so much. All right. Thank you for calling. Yeah, broken noses are common, uh, and most of the time, you know, it's it's okay um, as from an airway standpoint. Certainly, there's nothing wrong with breathing in and out your mouth. Um, the nose does provide some humidified air and a little bit wa- uh, warmer air, uh, but uh, usually, if you're going to repair that, wait until at least in adolescence, unless it's a really severe uh, break, is probably going to be the best thing. This is Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Jimmy here with you this morning live. Uh, you can call in by, uh, you can reach us by calling in at 1 877 MPB ring. That's 1 877 Or you can always send an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. All right, going to go to our next caller. Who we got up, uh, Kevin? We've got uh, Chad who's called in from Jackson. All right, Chad, thanks for calling this morning. Hey, Doc. Um, so I have a little bit of a weird situation, and I'm not really sure. Uh, maybe you can point me in the direction of where I need to go further with this. Uh, over the course of the last couple of months, I've had recurring whelps in the same area, uh, uh-huh. like on the back of the neck and, and on my sides. Um, and it will, you know, subside. I went to MEA, and they thought, you know, perhaps I had an infection, prescribed antibiotics. Uh, but, you know, it will come and go sporadically uh, and has been for the last couple of months. I've had the three or four different types that flares up, and I'm usually a creature of habit. So, you know, we haven't changed anything in regards to, you know, dish soap, shampoo, et cetera, uh, yeah. you know, laundry detergent, et cetera, in the household. Uh, and um, so I'm just not really sure what could be possibly causing that or if it might be a sign of something else because it doesn't really itch, it, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit. But, you know, I've, where I've had, you know, maybe some hives before, I'm like, it's like crazy. So, uh, but they are fairly significant, especially on the backside of the neck in regards to the size whenever it happens. All right. Tell me a little bit more about these. So uh, size-wise, is it like as big as your fingernail on your thumb, or is it smaller than that? Or Like golf ball is bigger. Oh, okay. They're really big. Okay. And do they? you said they didn't really itch, right? But do they hurt when you press on them? 
Um, you know, uh, a little tender, uh, but you know, okay. short of that, not not really. Uh, red, yes, and, a little bit. And uh, these will these will come up to the size of a golf ball and then go away by themselves, or usually after a day or so. Yeah. Okay, so real pretty quick. And then the other thing that I wanted to ask is, is there any kind of skin discoloration over the top of it, or does it look like they're coming to a head in the center? Nothing at all. No skin discoloration whatsoever. Like a boil or something, no. Right. And then you said on your sides, too. So that's not not in the armpit, lower down on the sides? Yeah, about midway where they're at. Okay. A couple of things that these might be. Um, I, I agree. If they're now, sometimes you can have sebaceous cysts um, that are, and those are sort of walled off uh, cysts. The sebaceous glands are the ones that, that produce sebum, which is an oily substance on our skin. They tend to be in areas that you, if you think about where the oiliest uh, parts of your body on your skin. That's that's where they like to hang out. There's more of them there. Sometimes they can get clogged up, and you can have bacterial overgrowth in those areas. And most of the time, antibiotics can help, but it's hard for an antibiotic to get to places that are sort of walled off. So that's why a lot of people will just do an incision and let that drain out. Um, But that doesn't sound like what we're dealing with here. So other things that come and go quickly, lymph nodes tend to get not quite that big. Um, They're usually solid feeling, not hollow feeling. Um, there's some other skin lesions that you can get, although that's a weird place to have lymph nodes on your side. You can have them on the posterior neck, but that's, and it's a little bit too big for those. Yeah. On, on the sides are, you know, generally flatter, right? When yeah. it happens. Uh, yeah. but on the back of the neck, you know, I mean, one day it was on the left side, uh, and fairly significant of size. It went down the following day, and the following day after that, it was on the right side of the back of my neck. So I'm like, okay, what is going on? <laughs> yeah. You know? so, so, and this has been going on for how long? A couple months. Okay. All right. And you, uh, otherwise, you feel okay? Energy level's fine? Well, I mean, you know, I think I probably have sleep apnea or whatever and stuff. I haven't yeah. got a sleep study, but i got to schedule one. But other than that, you know, I'm usually a fairly healthy guy and stuff. I mean... Not missed a day working five years. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I still think it it could be a lymph node. That's pretty big for a lymph node, though. And if it's getting as big as a golf ball and then goes down, I think they need you need somebody to take a piece of it, or probably the whole thing. The thing with lymph nodes is that um, they can um, you, you want to evaluate those for for other things that they might be. Coming and going, usually that's not a big warning sign. You know, people think, well, is this a tumor? Is this what's going on? Uh, Lipomas can also do this, but they usually stay there. They don't get smaller in size, although they can sort of outgrow their blood supply sometimes and regress. But I think the best bet on finding out what this is is to go to a general surgeon and have them take one of those out. When when you have them, and just to send that off to the pathologist, and they can tell you exactly what it is. It may be something that's benign. By what you described, it doesn't surprise me that the antibiotics didn't really help too much, just because it doesn't sound like infection to me. But um, that I think that if it's been going on that long, the the best bet is go where the money is, and that's one of those lesions. And uh, 
they can just make a small incision. You may want them to do it on the side, you know, just because that's probably a, you know, cosmetically an easier place to get to. But I think I would do that just to be on the safe side to make sure it's not something more serious. All right. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you for calling. This is Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Jimmy with you live this morning. Uh, Actually in a meeting in Chicago, but uh, we're taking live calls. You can reach us at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we've got plenty of time for your calls. So call us this morning. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show remedy at mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Southern Remedy. This is Dr. Jimmy with you live this morning. You can reach us about any kind of question that you might have about your health or someone else's by calling 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Now, we love getting emails, and from time to time, we'll uh, present those emails on the show uh, to you. It's always great to hear those um, live uh, on the air or, or broadcast over the air just because it gives us another chance to hear those questions that other people are asking. And there's always somebody that's got the same kind of question that you have and one that you that might uh, help you in a different direction. You might have not have asked that or sent that question in. But uh, always welcoming emails. We try to respond to those as quickly as possible and then Usually once we get enough to sort of batch together of ones that we, we feel like our larger audience need to hear about, well, we present those from time to time. So you can reach us by email at remedy at mpbonline.org. All right, we got Edward who's been patiently waiting on the line. Good morning, Edward. Up, oh, are you there, Edward? Did we lose you? Hello. Edward, are you there? Hello. Hey, good morning, Edward. Thanks for calling. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm calling about the lady that called in with the child that broke his nose. Yeah. And then she was a certain amount of time before you saw the doctor. Well, I had a good friend of mine. He had an ache. And he waited a year and he wanted cancer. And they had to take that out. Then six months later, they had to uh, remove all his left nose on one side. It's stupid. You know, if something's wrong, go check it out before anything happens. I mean, what what can I say, you know? I mean, uh, even if you can't afford it, if you've got a medical problem, you know, 
check it out and because it's always going to get worse. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so when it, you may not have heard everything that Lucia was saying, so she did have it checked out by a couple of different uh, physicians, but I think you're right, Edward. That's certainly something we want to encourage somebody. If you have a problem now, you know, some problems are self-limiting and you have to have uh, exercise a little bit of judgment on that, uh, depending on what it is. Uh, but yeah, you're right. When you have questions and usually people have sort of an intuition about what's, you know, something that, uh, is going to get better on its own and when it's not. But if it's going on for a long period of time, then you want to get it checked out. So I couldn't agree with you more. Um, and, you know, I, here's what I encourage people to, particularly if it's something that's not just straightforward, uh, write those things down and bring it to your physician. That sort of helps them uh, hear the story, and stories really lead us to uh, what we what we uh, teach uh, medical students and residents uh uh, in training to, uh, to come up with a differential diagnosis. And that just means what are the possible things that could be causing this? And the more information we have, particularly in how it presented and the symptoms that are going on, uh, that can lead us to sort of narrow down to what we need to do in a physical exam to try to confirm that diagnosis or in further tests. So, Edward, I think you're right. First step is to go and see somebody and Particularly if it's lingering on and on, uh, you don't want to delay that because there's, unfortunately, there's a lot of things that uh, if you delay in treating those uh, can have worse outcomes. So appreciate that comment uh, that you have there. All right, let's go to uh, who we got next, Kevin. Uh, We have Damaris on the line. All right. Good morning, Damaris. Yes. Thanks for calling. Well, I appreciate it. I'm hoping you can answer a question for me. Okay. Uh, I have a mouth problem, actually, and I've had it for a long time, and I keep going back and forth between dentist, periodontist, orthodontist, uh, all kinds of things, and I still have the same problems. And uh, it's an infection in my mouth. I talked to my sister about it. She said when she was young, she had an infection, and they painted her mouth purple, and she never had that problem again, ever, period. And I'm wondering why that's not done to eliminate this infection that I have in my mouth. That Do they, it, so they, they still don't know exactly what's causing it? Is that, is that the main thing? Well, I don't know. I'm just really puzzled over why I should continue. And, and when I use this, you know, uh, six-in-one mouthwash times, my jaw will just be, pounding with aching and hurting, and it takes a mm. while, but it does make it better. Um, what what kind of, uh, so when you say infection, is there a place that's red, or is there like a little bump that won't go away, that's tender? What is it? What does it look like for you, or feel like for you? Okay, it looks like, um, I used to have all of my wisdom teeth that worked for many years, and I've had a lot of my back jaw is missing him. So back at the uh, back of where my teeth would have been, it's kind of like a little small upside, like a volcano. And uh, I heard one dentist call it a PIP, P-I-P. And I thought, well, I'll go back to him. At least he, he had a name for it. But when I went back, he just retired, moved or something. Anyway. And those, those little things, and of course they say, well, I I have a periodontal disease, and I'm mm-hmm. well, surely 
uh, at one time it was gingivitis, okay, I, I learned to clean it and clean all my teeth and everything, go every six months to have them cleaned, one six months by the dentist, one six months by the periodontist, and then uh, now going to the, um, pardon me, I've had chemo this past year, so sometimes I have a hard time remembering, but the man who normally does root canals, which he looked at it, it wasn't ready for him at his stage, so, you know, I'm back to square one of how can I eliminate this pain out of my mouth. Gotcha. I'm glad you talked to me. You told me about the chemo because that that can make a big difference. Um, So it's been going on long before I had the chemo. Right, but if you if you have that though beforehand, chemo certainly throws something in the picture that may you know change the severity of it. so periodontal disease, uh, that's that can be a serious thing. It is a it really you need to think of it as a chronic disease. You can get rid of it, but uh, a lot of people struggle with that. And I, you know, when talking to my dentist friends uh, and my periodontal friends, they they say you know nobody really understands all the different reasons why some people get it and some people don't. Uh, but it is it is beneath the surface, so it's right around where the tooth comes out. And then even if your tooth is pulled, sometimes you can have problems. Because our teeth are attached to bone, uh, it can get down in those in those spaces and uh, cause a lot of problems chronically. Really difficult to get rid of. Sometimes people have to get systemic antibiotics for long periods of time, whether that's oral antibiotics or IV antibiotics. You mentioned a couple of mouthwashes, so that can help prevent um, the number of bacteria in and around that, that gum line right at that interface. But it's not 100%. I mean, that you can do that several times a day. That can help. Even just washing out with water can help. You also mentioned, your, I think, your sister who had the, her mouth painted purple, right? Right. Now, this is when she was uh, basically a teenager. You see, I had yeah. absolutely uh, no uh, dental problems. I always had excellent teeth up until about mid-college years. Yeah. So, so that is that's that sounds like it's gentian gentian violet, G E N T I A N. So that is used to treat uh, fungal infections, uh, particularly candida or yeast infections, rather, on the mouth. So that's thrush. Basically, we give it a lot of times. It was given to infants too, and uh, it's it's a you know a mild to moderate uh, antifungal uh, anti-yeast medication and. Uh, doesn't cause a lot of problems. Does make the mouth purple, but it, that's not gonna that's not gonna be uh, you know helpful in your case unless it's a particular fungal infection. But if you've got fungal periodontitis, uh, uh, that's that's gonna be really hard to get rid of without antifungal medications. Chemo unfortunately makes it worse um, uh, during that time just because your body's normal immunity is uh, usually. Uh, change to the point where you're not able to keep that, you know, keep that in check. Um, I, you know, you're going to the right people, but I might want to get a, if I were you, I think I would get a second opinion if you hadn't already done that, particularly if it's, if it's periodontal disease, then I I think I would go back to a periodontist just to say, Hey, is there anything else we can do? Unfortunately, you know, a lot of times pulling the teeth, can help because it eliminates that interface down to the deeper tissues 
but that's you really got to get somebody who knows what they're doing about that. So I don't have any quick fixes for you. It sounds like what you're doing certainly uh, might stave it off, but it, you're right. It can cause incredible pain in and around there. We have a lot of nerves that are attached to those teeth and attached to different places in our mouth, and uh, it is hard to uh, to sometimes get rid of that pain. Are they treating you with any other like oral medications for chronic pain? Sometimes you know, things like gabapentin or Lyrica have been used for that, uh, particularly if it's a, a neurologic or nerve-type pain. No, I'm not doing anything. The best thing I'm doing for it is is the uh, six-in-one mouthwash? Uh, yeah, that, everything you know in it. You, you might want to talk to your your regular physician about that. Now, that's a that, those are medications used to treat chronic pain. It's not like the opioids or anything like that. But particularly in situations that are involved with the nerves, they can help um, to try to sort of block those those impulses or, you know, at least help with the, with the pain. It won't do anything for the infection, uh, but it yeah, certainly might help find, out. I was really hoping to find a way that it would be totally healed and done away with. I wasn't really wanting just to medicate it forever. I was wanting to find a yeah. way. Sure. No, that, you're exactly right. I mean, that would be the best outcome to get rid of it. But I'd go see a different periodontist just for a second opinion, just to say, hey, dealing with this for a long time, is there any way that we can get rid of it? Okay, I will. Thank you. That's All right, thank you for calling. I greatly appreciate it. Yes, ma'am. This is Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Jimmy here with you this morning. Uh, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to close out the hour, but we've got plenty of time to answer your questions right after this. This is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, remedy at mpbonline.org. Thanks for tuning in to us this morning on Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Jimmy with you live. Uh, we've got a couple of callers to uh, close out the hour here. Appreciate everybody calling as usual. If you uh, just really have a uh, longer call or you would like to uh, reach us when we're not on the air, you can always email us at remedy at mpbonline.org. Let's go to Mary and Eupora. Good morning, Mary. Good morning. Thanks for calling. Uh, thank you. I have a friend who um, recently had 
uh, knee replacement surgery about okay. a week ago, I think. And she is in excruciating pain. Um, and she wonders if this is just her or does everybody else who has that surgery experience that same kind of pain? Normally a week out, it, the pain should be getting better. Um, and I'm assuming she's probably already, you know, trying to do some rehab at this point. Yeah. Uh, there, there are a couple of things that where you can have and, you know, increased pain, certainly a lot of nerves around the joints too. We have nerves everywhere in our body, but basically, uh, you know, sometimes they can be, uh, uh, injured in the process of replacing that knee. But at one week out, you really, you should be getting better, you know, not, not pain that's worse and if she has she contacted her surgeon about that i don't know we text back and forth and i told her that our neighbor who had had the surgery said that uh she should call her doctor and talk to him about this but i'm just yeah, trying to get a little more information to to give to her yeah it i, I would say this sounds like it if she's if she's in excruciating pain a week out uh, they need to take a look at that knee uh, to make sure there's not particularly infection there. So infection can be uh -huh. a complication of the, you know, the joint replacement, and uh, it can certainly cause pain after after the surgery like that. So uh, usually you don't have, you know, a, a, something that's actually wrong with the joint itself that they put in, uh, mm -hmm. but, you know, you can have problems where that artificial part of it is uh, right up next to the bone too. So... Yeah, they need to. I would encourage her to, to uh, tell her, Dr. Jimmy said, call that surgeon. They need to see her and evaluate that knee. Okay, I'll tell her that. All right. Thank hey, thanks for much. looking out for her, too. Yes, ma'am. And thank you, for, uh, thank you for calling. All right, Dr. Jimmy, All we'll right. wrap things up with uh, Cindy, who's called in from Daphne, Alabama. All right. Good morning, Cindy. Uh, hi. Oh, are you, hey, thanks for calling. Yeah, thank you. Um, my husband is going to have uh, an ablation procedure in October. He has AFib, uh -huh. and um, he has already had the two twice. He's had the, had the the jump thing that they do on the heart to make it get back in rhythm, and he always falls back out of rhythm in a short period of time. And apparently, right. he's been out of rhythm for a long time because most recently, when they did an echocardiogram, the doctor was very concerned because the opening has gotten larger. So they're going to do this ablation, and my question to you is, and the doctor went over the risks, but I want to hear what your what your feel is on the risk of this ablation, and what do we do if it falls out of rhythm again after this? What, is, what else is there after this? So an ablation, it sounds scary, but uh, we've gotten a lot better on this. So a cardiologist who has specific training in that, which is usually an electrophysiologist, so electrophysiologist who's a cardiologist, they go in and they, they look for these little centers. AFib is because you have some electrical activity in the heart that it's just more irritable. So it's, it is firing off electrical impulses and causing this irregular rhythm. Uh, the cardioversion that you mentioned, that's the shocking that basically tries to shock the heart back into a regular rhythm. Sometimes that works. It doesn't work as well if it's been going on for a long time, like you mentioned with your husband. But, um, but when they do the ablation, they go in and they basically burn or freeze out those abnormal cells that are, that are firing off those abnormal impulses. 
Um, as far as risk, anytime you, you know, go into the heart, you can have some risk. You can have actually have some arrhythmias while you're there. They have a backup staff of people that are there in the, in the, uh, uh, the, the, the place where they do the procedure. Um, you can, you know, there is a small risk of burning through normal tissue or freezing normal tissue. Uh, so they'll talk to you about that. I've had um, two different, uh, an uncle uh, and an aunt uh, that had this done in my own family. It's pretty common. Uh, it's not a hundred percent, you know, successful. So you really have to have, you know, you may have to have more than one procedure. I actually have one uncle that had a couple of different procedures done before he, uh, he had his uh, corrected. So there's always that risk, but it's gotten a whole lot better. And if it's pretty debilitating, and as you know, you know, I'm sure he's on, I'm, I'm assuming he's on anticoagulation. This may be one way to get off of that, you know, in the future. That would be great, yeah. That would be great if he could. I hate that part, too, you know, that he's on yeah. that. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. But, I didn't know but they are done again. Uh-huh. Yeah, it can. It can. A lot of times it'll be, and they'll tell you that, that it may take two or three, even three times sometimes to, you know, to mm-hmm. get to the right cells because they, they don't like to burn out any normal cells, so they'll just, you know, be sort of cautious about that and then, See if that can uh, can help getting back into a regular rhythm. Okay. Oh, good. Well, I'm just curious to know what happened. If this didn't work this yep. time, it's been going <laughs> yep. on for a long time. Um, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome, and thank you for calling. All right. I want to thank everybody for calling today, and uh, been broadcasting live from uh, Chicago, uh, connected with you to MPB. Studio Southern Remedy is a production of MPB Think Radio and is funded in, in part by a grant from the University of, Medi- of U- University of Mississippi Medical Center and from supporters, our listeners, just like you. Thanks for everybody who calls in, and uh, we'll be here next Wednesday live at 11 on Southern Remedy. Stay tuned for MPB's Here and Now on MPB Think Radio. <laughs>